Tis I, Lord Podcast. Are you yearning to equip yourself with the confidence to record? Elijah, the skilled podcast professional, is preparing himself for a tale of tools and skill that only a mighty podcaster may employ in one's podcast journey. Elijah, I do believe that we shall teach our weary wanderer the confidence that they strive to achieve. Shall we start a podcast? We shall. It's settled. Let's start a podcast. Let's start a podcast, shall we? I have uh, the master of happy endings uh, and podcast professional. He's been here for way too long in the podcasting game, but still enjoys it. Mike, the Hobbit, uh, Bickett. Hello. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I am uh, excited to be here and talk shop. Right on. Nerding out on podcasts is kind of a, a luxury for me because all my friends go, what the hell are you talking about? And my wife, especially, she's like, just, just shut up. I don't care anymore. So it's nice to be able to go back and forth. Why the Hobbit? Uh, do you hide under bridges? Is that a long time nickname? It's a long time nickname. An old roommate of mine, you started calling me the bobbleheaded Hobbit from SoCal because I'm originally from Southern California mm. and that got shortened to the Hobbit. I joke it's because I eat a lot. And for a couple of years, I didn't have a car. Huh. So I walked everywhere, gotcha. but uh, it has lent itself well to the podcast casting game as I do a lot of shows in the geek and pop culture yeah. area. So having a geeky nickname is not necessarily a bad thing. No, it fits with the the branding. And I obviously want to get to the podcast that you do and the, the gooey network, uh, the cute play on words, the dad jokes that you put through. I, I listen to a couple and enjoy the heck out of them. I suck at pop culture. So it's really nice to, to hear things from, from you, Mike, uh, about Axel Foley and others when you're playing smack my pitch up and, and trying to mm-hmm. do some mashups. And that's when I gravitated to. So it was fun. But most importantly, I think people really are dying to know. Uh, you started a podcast to get laid. Is that right? Uh, yeah, it was a really poorly thought out plan. I saw all my stand up comedian friends bragging about how much they didn't get laid. Mm-hmm. And I thought I can do better yeah. and get less laid. So I decided to start a podcast as you, that. as we're talking, I don't know if the listeners can tell from my voice, but I'm the one Oh one of podcaster. I'm a, a chubby bearded cis white man. I look like somebody that talks about Bitcoin a lot. So uh, <laughs> uh, podcasting was a natural fit and uh, comics and nerds uh, did video games, uh, all the, the stereotypical stuff, or is it uh, any particular flavor that you really dive into topic wise? I'm a pretty across the board nerd for the most part. I aged out just before the Pokemans. I, I don't do the, the Pokemans and, and such. I do enjoy some anime, but it's a lot of more of the old school stuff. But Star Wars is a big one. It's been a challenge in recent years to be a Star Wars fan because of all the toxicity and back and forth of the different types of Star Wars fans. I've just gotten to an age where I'm sick of fighting like Star Wars the way you like it. And I'm happy to support that. Um, honestly, that attitude has permeated through most of our shows on the network is the idea of uh, defending people's rights to like things the way they want to. We, we are anti-toxic fandom, um, very inclusive. Um, and then if there's anything that's a common theme between all the different shows, it's that. It's that you should be able to celebrate what you love without being told that you're wrong <laughs> in any way. But uh, yeah, I would say probably Doctor Who, Star Wars, uh, Star Trek, comic books, the whole swath of standard pop culture nerdery i am on board with awesome i started late in the D game um, and that's i love i'm i'm kind of passive by nature so i get to 
more of a barbarian sort of style where I get to frontline, just mm -hmm. bash heads and have a great time. And the theater of the mind, I guess that translates well to podcasts and more people are coming out with different crazy ideas. And here you are just kind of posting in a great way, coming up with uh, the, the GUI network, the geeks under the influence, which is awesome name. And you have a ton of geekery there. Is that something that just kind of came out of nowhere one day, or you'd said, I got a lot of friends with podcasts. Let's get together, create a network, and then the rest of history. It actually started from one show. Um, uh -huh. The stereotypical thing that happens with friends is you're sitting around having drinks, talking about who shot first, on, on whether he shot first or not, uh, those conversations. And we were so tickled with ourselves that we decided we should probably start a podcast. Other people needed to know how funny we were, of course. And uh, of course, it was awful to start. We didn't know what we were doing. I had no background in engineering. I, I've been on stage before as a musician, as a stand-up comic, but that was more in the creative space. I didn't have to do a lot in the back end mm. as far as the editing and the engineering of the of the stuff. So it was all relatively new. And we started with one room mic and one vocal mic, and that's it, for six people drinking heavily over two hours. Fantastic. Basically the worst format, the worst format you can possibly pick up. And uh, the first 41 episodes of that show, which is Geeks Under the Influence, that was our first show, um, is not online. You can find a zip file on our website if you really want to be a completionist, but it's not on the stream because it's virtually unlistenable. Oh. It took till episode 42. We got a new soundboard. We got some more mics. Uh, we started taking things more seriously before it started to sound a little bit better. Mm. We then cut it down to an hour instead of two. We cut it down to four people instead of six. And we got old enough to drink less and <laughs> focus a little more on the content than the party aspect of it. There was still a little bit of that party element, hmm. but it was a lot more about the conversation and the community than it was the actual partying part that it started as. Uh, the show itself really started as kind of our poker night, hmm. a reason to get together with friends and talk about things that we loved and celebrate our, our fandoms and record it to see what happens. And as time went on, I learned more and more about podcasting, about the process, about editing and engineering and uh, promotion, and I fell in love with it. And then the thing that we didn't expect to happen happened is we started getting popular, um, especially locally. But yeah, we had a, a decent sized, not huge, but decent sized, but very, uh, very intense following. <laughs> Our fans really loved us. They bought the T-shirts. They came out to the live shows. Uh, they came out to events that we did, and it was amazing. And as we continued to do this, a lot of our regular guests, you know, my friends that would panel with us to talk about specific uh, fandoms, um, they wanted to start their own shows. So I started holding classes in my living room, plugging my laptop up to the, the, the TV to show people how to edit, how to use different programs, uh, how-tos on... Uh, building your format for your show. And I, I made walkthroughs for people and really taught people how to podcast. And from that, they started their own shows and we developed into a network. Hmm. And then that network, some of those shows got popular. Uh, some of we changed gears, some, and some people dropped shows and started new ones, you know, as you do, as you learn, you figure out what fits best. And uh, eight and a half years later, um, almost nine years later, here I am not only with a network that we're in the middle of kind of a reformatting, but um, I'm also working in the industry, mm. helping 
every day helping people as a uh, head of customer experience for rss.com. I get go. to mentor people for a living. That's cool. So do you yeah. invite random strangers to your, to your living room still, or is it more of a digital uh, <laughs> sort of mentoring it, thing? It's a lot more digital now. Uh, the pandemic definitely changed the way that we did podcasting for a lot of it. There's still some get togethers. I have a home studio, home audio video studio, and the, there's still a lot of the people, you know, in the network that live not too far from me. It started kind of as a local thing. So when we get a chance to, we'll do a live one, you know, or an in-person one, yeah. but a lot of it's remote. Cool. Just because we're older, it, it's harder to find time to actually get out somewhere and get everybody's schedules to meet up. So a virtual is a lot easier to just pop in real quick and do. And, and with the hangovers now, it's really rough to get outside, <laughs> especially in the winter. Yeah, the uh, the drinking on a Tuesday night thing has gone down to maybe one or two instead of, you know, uh, really going for it. It's I'm, I'm a 42 year old man now. Yeah, those hangovers last days now. <laughs> they're not they're not. I'm a little tired in the morning. No. So my curiosity is that you love this, but it, it's a passion thing. It probably doesn't feel like work and yada, yada, all those cliches. But you got the, the network uh, with geeks. And then you have Smack My Pitch Up. You have um, all these other podcasts that you're editing, co-hosting, and going going through. Is there is there enough time uh, for all of this no. work, or or do you just find a way not to take shortcuts to be really super efficient? And maybe use a bit of tech to kind of help you get through those podcasts to to move on to the next one. Well, I think the biggest tool that I've had over the time of being a podcaster is failure. Hmm. I've done things the wrong way more, like 10 times more than I've ever done it the right way. Uh, when I started in 2015, I didn't really have any mentor to go to, to learn how to do this stuff, which is why it was so important for me to be one hmm. when I started learning the right way, or at least a, a correct way. There's always more than one right way to do something. I didn't want other people to have to make as many mistakes as I did um, learning how to podcast. And one thing that I did make mistakes with is overloading myself. There was one point where I had five podcasts and a full-time job and helping run the network. So Thanks. that was manageable in that I got the episodes out, but the quality of the show suffered. Um, the support of those shows suffered. I wasn't doing as much time posting on social media, doing all the necessary, you know, advertising and, and such to push those shows. So I was spending so much time creating, but not enough time promoting that nobody was listening to some of these shows. Hmm. It, and it made me realize that there's more to podcasting than just the creative process. You need to make time for all of it. Hmm. Otherwise, if you, if you want to find an audience, you have to. Otherwise, it's just do you're doing it for yourself, which is fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with doing a podcast for yourself. But if you want an audience, you've got to create more time promoting it and, you know, getting the word out about your show than you do even creating the show. Now I've made more time for that, uh, but it's it, it's scheduling. You have to have a schedule. You have to know exactly what day you do certain things and make time for it. Make extra time for it because something will always mess up. <laughs> something will always take more time. Um, and you have also hopefully a, a forgiving and tolerant partner um, that that knows that this is something you care about and is not going to be in competition with you over your time, which is helpful. 
yeah very even it does your um your better half also call you a, a legendary by delusion or is that just something you hold on to near and dear to your heart no she calls me delusional i don't know if she calls me legendary um my uh, partner amy uh, she is my co-host actually on one of our shows deeply upsetting oh. and uh and now my fiance uh, we've been engaged for approaching a year now um we we got the date and everything set cool um she's incredible she's she loves podcasts as well she she understands the value of them she's not as deep as i am which is probably healthier but she uh she gets it and she is very good about uh making sure that i have time to do my stuff so that's why she knows the secrets like uh, mike doesn't like rom zombie movies he's a good guy but movies aren't for you so that's part of the game i guess eh? just knowing those secrets you have a great chemistry and it's you get to do something together that's really cool too exactly the chemistry is really the key for most of what i've done hmm. in my career i mean honestly part of the reason why i have the job with rss is chemistry it's being able to connect with people being able to understand where people are coming from at the end of the day the reason why i started podcasting the same reason that um, other people do and and really what everybody wants in life is to be heard sure you know and so if you can engage that if you can make people feel heard um, through being a host and empathizing with your audience to in a way that they feel like you understand them in a way that other people don't um, with people that are reaching out to rss.com and asking questions um, telling them i'm a podcaster as well hmm. i i have had the problems you've had before um being a host and just being able to empathize with my guests or other podcasters you know that is where you create those important relationships the relationships come from the local awards i cautiously get to i don't seem like a guy likes to brag but i love to talk about things you're doing well so locally in in richmond i think it is uh, you got some awards can you talk about them a bit sure um in 20 18, I want to say probably 2017 to 2019 was the heyday of the network. We were really firing on all cylinders. We were having multiple live events during the month. Uh, we had, I think, 10 or 12 shows on the network. We were, we were going. Mm. And it was the first time that we got recognized of, by, by an award. We were uh, second place as the best podcast in Richmond. Mm. Uh, the next year, we won first place. And then pandemic happened. Uh, and then, so 2020 was kind of a blur, but then 2021, we won best podcast again from another uh, local paper. And we, we've gotten, you know, I've got a letter from a Senator <laughs> thanking us for our contributions to the community. And mm. my joke with that is that it's like dick jokes and talking about star Wars. I don't know how much contribution, but we actually do. We do fundraisers for nonprofits and we, uh, we, we normally offer our time for emceeing or involvement with some local stuff like uh, Toys for Tots and fundraising and stuff, you know, try, trying at least a little bit to give back to the community. So, um, Secrets out, Mike. Senators also like dick jokes. Who knew? <laughs> Apparently, especially Anthony Weiner. He was a really big fan of oh, those. Um, that's a perfect last name too. Awesome. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've we've been written up in a couple articles here and there and gotten awards the thing that i'm actually excited about that more than the award i mean yes it's cool to, yeah. it's cool to have awards on your wall it i'm not gonna like that's that's rad i'm not <laughs> not gonna pretend it isn't but ultimately 
it means more more visibility. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that's kind of the important part is, you know, being having an audience, like having people that get you that want to listen to you. Geeks like street credit because that's not something we're known for. We're known for book smarts, right? So to to have that street knowledge, if you will, uh, of podcasting, it's kind of cool. And then here you are spreading knowledge as a master, if I may say, of of the experience. Challenge for me, though, is that at RSS, there's so much competition. Like you can Google hosting companies, like a bazillion of them. There's Podbean mm-hmm. and Libsyn and, and whatever, Anchor, Spotify, Podcasters, whatever they're changing their name to. There's a ton. So you can't control everything. But how do you differentiate from the customer experience standpoint, RSS? Honestly, I, I don't like being sold to personally, when it comes to both customer support or sales. So that's how I approach the conversations as well. I'm not trying to sell RSS.com to anybody. Hmm. What I'm looking at is if it's going to be a good fit for somebody. A good thing is I have a, I have a friend, a good friend who uh, is a tattooer. Hmm. And when somebody comes in and wants a design, he will do it. But he's asking questions. Are you sure? What about this kind of style? He's trying to make it the best version of it as possible. Is something that's going to fit this person, fit in the right part of their body, you know, like making sure that the longevity of that tattoo is there. Mm-hmm. They're going to like it 20 years from now. Um, that's kind of how I look at it with customer success as well, or customer support, is that when somebody is looking to onboard, I want to make sure that we're, we have the tools necessary for the long game, mm-hmm. that in five years, they're still doing this show and they have the tools they need to continue doing it, that uh, they're they're going to continue to be happy with the service. There might be something another service has that a that a certain podcast needs that we don't have. That that's the nature of the beast. Different hosting providers have different tools available or focus on different things. I think we have a pretty good selection of tools yeah. for both the beginner and advanced users, partially because of our adoption of podcasting 2.0, mm. which is a measure to try to improve accessibility and uh and tools for podcasters through different tags available on the actual RSS feed, stuff like value for value, where on certain apps, listen, listeners can actually tip the podcaster. Mm. Uh, there's also transcripts and sound bites and text and all sorts of different types of tools that are now available. A lot of which haven't even been popularly adopted within the industry, mm. but we are trying to add as many as possible and implement them automatically into our system so that both the advanced user and the basic user can uh, use them. The, you know, transcripts is really important for both search engine optimization, but also for uh, people at different le- levels of uh, audio accessibility. You know, somebody that uh, has difficulty hearing may want to know about you, what you're talking about, sure. uh, but if they don't have a transcript or some sort of subtitle to go with, they're not going to be able to access that information. So transcripts are immensely important and we give them free with your account. You know, it's, it just comes with, you push a button and it takes um, a few minutes to 15 minutes because there's both the uh, fast, medium and slower version, the slower version being the more accurate version of transcripts uh, that we offer everybody along with YouTube um, audiograms that we can make so that you can put a audio version of your show on YouTube with your little uh, graphics and the little sound bar at the bottom, but that's also incorporating our chapters feature, which is another 2.0 option where chapters, you can put different album, like album art, basically at different timestamps 
throughout your show. And on podcast apps like Spotify, they will pop up. You know, a lot of those apps have the little album cover space. Yeah. The pictures will change as the episode goes, as it hits those marks. But also on the audiograms on YouTube, it, the pictures will change at the different marks. So you could put cool. five or a thousand different pictures in your uh, show and have them pop up at different points, which is rad. I, I thought they were just text only, the chapters like YouTube or I know Apple's touting this whoopee, you know, but you guys are going a step further to change the album art every chapter. We're, we're fortunate that uh, Alberto, one of our founders, one of our two founders, he comes from the tech head side. He was building podcast readers and stuff and giving them away for free on like SourceForge oh, yeah. back in the day. And that's how we ended up getting pulled in with Ben to, to start RSS as a hosting platform is he was this indie coding guy that was making really cool stuff for people just for fun. Hmm. And so there's that very DIY let's see if we can do it kind of attitude oh, yeah. when it comes to RSS. So we got a lot of stuff built in house. We've got a lot of, a lot of that. Let's see if we can do it attitude, which as an old punk rock kid myself, I love that energy. I love that DIY spirit of eh, let's give it a try. And uh, it's why we have a lot of those 2.0 tools that when it does get popularly adopted in the industry, we'll have already implemented it. It will already be, commonplace for our users so that it will, it'll be more seamless uh, for people using our, our service. It's kind of cool because podcasting is kind of has kind of has that grassroots flavor, you know, that whole hobbyist underground sort of thing. And then RSS is kind of going, hey, well, we're just going to do our thing and, and see if it flies. So that's kind of awesome. Do you, mm -hmm. do you find that there's anything that you dream of if there's no time and money like that was endless for for these guys running the show, do you, would you try and pitch something really cool, uh, a feature or or something you would hope that RSS would adopt one of these days in the future? The hardest thing for every podcaster is visibility. Hmm. You know, when when I started in 2015, I think there were only about 250,000 podcasts. Uh, there's over 5 million now. That's nuts. That's a massive difference. And so there are, just like, wherever you live, the, there's a local band that you're wondering why haven't they gotten famous, like nationally, internationally famous. Cause they're that good. It's visibility. It comes down to people being able to find you. And with podcasts, it's the same. There's podcasts out there that are probably your favorite podcast and you haven't found it yet. Mm. And, uh, I don't know the exact answer on that visibility, but what we need more than anything probably is some sort of service for podcasters and podcast listeners to find each other hmm. to be able to like f find the right show at the right time for the right reason you know and another 2.0 tool that helps with that is the location tag hmm. where shows can now tag what location they're talking about so if they're having a conversation oh. about a serial killer in boston or yeah. you know uh, nice in France and how beautiful the beaches are they can location tag that so you can search and find that show based on the location, which is very cool. So for this podcast, I shouldn't tag it at SoCal because that has nothing to do with either of us. So, yeah. No, not anymore. <laughs> I've, I've uh, not been in SoCal for a little over 20 years now. Hmm. So uh, that'd be, that'd be a late tag for sure. <laughs> Good. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's searchability, I think is the, the key is more than just show about dogs. You know, you need something deeper, richer uh, search features. It's and that's something that is going to require a little bit more 
synchronicity between the different uh, hosting providers. You know, th- that's mm. that's always that's always the balance, right? With the podcast industry, is that there's this wild west aspect to it mm. where everything's decentralized, which is keeps it safe from being overrun by one particular service or uh, or industry. Um, but also because it's decentralized, the names of different jobs within the industry, uh, the different terms that we use are all kind of scattered. Yeah. There's five different terms for the same type of job, you know? And so to be able to have that proper search functionality, we need to be able to start pulling those terms together and having, mm. you know, just specific terminologies for stuff. Um, and th- that's coming. That'll come in time. It's a little more than a Tinder or a Bumble of podcasts. You know, you swipe left or right for ones you don't like. Probably more involved than that. So. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, otherwise, it would just be swiping either left or right for 30,000 true crime podcasts before you find one of a different category. I'd love that anybody can get their own niche out there. And that's a proof, a testament, a proof uh, that you can just go and do it. But there's got to be a line somewhere. Maybe you guys can control this whole saturated uh, topic, or maybe you don't care. Just like go have fun, put your own spin on it. Cause you're right. There's like 30 bazillion crime podcasts. Or- there, there's a bazillion. Yeah. Th- we are definitely not the ones to make those, those calls. Like no. the line that we draw is legality. Yeah. Uh, we got to be careful about what's legal or illegal to host. Sure. And we keep track of that. But as far as uh, content goes, it's like the American way of like, I might hate some of this stuff, but you have the right to host it. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's the nature of, of this industry. You know, you've got to be able to create a place for everybody to be able to have their voice be heard. Absolutely. But the plus side of that is that, uh, we also have these amazing shows that I've gotten so much perspective from, Mm. uh, that's the biggest power of podcasting is, you know, uh, it's intimate. It's something that you get to have a moment with the host and their guest or their co-host, you get to have a moment with them, almost just the th- two or three of you. And because of that, when perspective is shared, somebody's story uh, could be a, a story of a single mother or somebody that escaped in a, za- a disaster mm-hmm. or somebody that won the Indy 500. It doesn't matter. It's such an intimate moment that you get to share. It becomes personal to you. It, it, it gets ingrained in you and it's, kind of a at home version of what Mark Twain used to say is that like that uh, traveling uh, was, was poisonous to uh, to intolerance, like mm-hmm. that being able to learn how other people live and how other people see the world changes your own perspective and makes you better understand the human experience. And, um, and I've been fortunate enough to really have those moments with a number of different shows and other hosts as I've helped with RSS or other podcasts get off the ground. While you're having a special moment with 200 plus people that you, you minister and you mentor, is there any particular place that people go to? Is this a paid thing? Do you just do it out of the goodness of your heart or where can people get a little help from, you know, uh, the, the, the legend, if I may? <laughs> um, I do have a group, like a Facebook group. We do meetups and stuff called the RVA community of podcasters. I'm based out of uh, Richmond, Virginia. So a lot of the podcasters in the area, like I said, I didn't have mentors when I started. There was really nowhere to go, and there was only two or three podcasts maybe in the in the in the city when I started. Um, I wanted to build a community around this. This is something that I, I feel like podcasts have such a great opportunity to build community by having that that perspective there. You know, so that that the ability to find other like minded people or other people that be- can better understand you. 
So using that, it makes sense to have a podcast community. Sure. Um, so we've got a, about 250 members. Um, I started this about 2016, about a year after I started podcasting. And it's been awesome. We do meetups. We've done little little field trips around the area. Like we've been able to check out uh, Virginia Public Media's uh, studios, mm. the, like professional studios. We've gone to like breweries or little coffee shops and stuff to meet up and just talk shop, mm. guest on each other's shows, um, help each other out, you know, a- answer questions um, that people have as they're getting started. So that's that's a good place if you want something for me specifically. But also there's all sorts of groups like this. Yeah bigger groups that you can find on Reddit or Facebook or Twitter, a place where podcasters can gather and ask advice, uh, give each other a hard time. A lot of the time as well. Uh, A lot of big, big uh, personalities in podcasting. There's a ton of um, last point. I wanted to bring home that the piece de resistance, if you will, the podcast movement, there's a ton of resources on that website, but I saw some action shots there. It seemed like you were there. Did you have a booth or do you just go around and, you know, dressed up as a microphone or how did it go? (laughs) No cosplay this year. I was there with our founders, Ben and Alberto Mm. from RSS.com. And yeah, there were a couple of meetings here and there, but for the most part, it was a networking opportunity. Mm. I was a chance to talk to people in the industry about what's what's happening there's a lot of conversation right now about ai and what that has to do with podcasting how that's going to change the nature of podcasting in the Mm. next even year conversations about new services new applications new ways of approaching podcasting information about how people are consuming content which is huge to know how people engage if they're listening in their car are are they listening more or less at home than it in previous years um, are they listening to certain types of shows? That information is vital, especially when you're looking to start a show to know what might be the best way to engage, you know, the largest audience uh, without losing your, you know, niche in podcasting. The panels there were vital to that. Mm-hmm. Hearing heads of, you know, the big names of the industry, you know, people I would have trading cards of. Mm-hmm. Um, if they had trading cards that nobody else outside of the industry has ever heard of, but are like superstars sitting up on, on there talking about ROI and, 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 you know, CPMs and all, all the different oh, the nerdy uh, abbreviations, yeah. Yeah, acron- acronyms for, uh, for podcast stuff. And I'm just sitting there just giddily typing into my phone notes about the different panels, but, um, really it's a place to learn and also just to recognize you're not the only one that's dealing with the stuff you're dealing with as a podcaster. You know, we all have those moments of self-doubt or moments of hitting a brick wall or moments of not knowing how to monetize or moments of, you know, the plus sides of moments of pure, you know, excitement when you get your first good review Mm. on like iTunes or something, or you get recognized in public or you get an email from a, from a listener that said, you know, that the, this particular episode was immensely important for one way or another, you know, those are so cool. And the bad moments are really great to get like co-signed by somebody else Mm -hmm. that this is just the nature of podcasting. Everybody goes through it. And these conventions are great for that, for just commiserating. 
you've been through a ton of experience. You have a community, you help other people, you're in the industry, you, you seem to have it all figured out. So for, for people looking to where to find Michael, I'll just have some great tips in the show notes. You have Podchaser, you have the GUI Podcast Network here at RSS. And is there anywhere that I miss that people can hang out and, and say hi to you? Uh, I mean, the socials are all attached to the different websites and, and, uh, you know, I'm on all the major socials. I think I even still have a Mastodon account is, I don't know if anybody's even doing that still. Um, I'm babysitting on a few accounts until we figure out what's happening with Twitter or X, whatever the hell it's called. Mm. Um, so I've got a blue sky, I've got, uh, uh, a threads i've got all of them so you can track me down pretty easy just find you on the but, internet or uh, like i'll have all the links in, in the show notes too so people I, i'm forgetful so it's ha handy to have <laughs> but i will say to you the, the figure it all out part i think the trick to growing as a podcaster and also just growing in any industry is being very open to not having it all figured out mm. Because uh, mm -hmm. if, if you think you have it figured out, then there's not as much room for growth. But knowing that you're basically a, a functioning idiot most of the time <laughs> and just actively trying to improve your station day by day, just learning little bits of information, learning how to be a better version of of a host or a, or a engineer or just a person, yeah. uh, that's where the growth comes from. And that that requires a, le a certain level of humility as well. You You can't think you're on top of the world and grow because uh, where's there to go there's no room at the top to grow so um the trick is to just always look at yourself as a student and not the teacher even when you are teaching to have uh this experience for so many people uh, probably tens of people uh, gaining uh, from the the listening and experience from you mike it's good and soon with your help they'll be functioning idiots 2.0 so thank you for your time <laughs> this is great i appreciate it very much it's this has been fun. Mm, let's start a podcast. <laughs>